It's the next level. Welcome, Primers, into this, our Legends of Tomorrow Season 4 Annual, or Annual Number 4, whichever way you want to look at it. From the spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crewcast Pods, I am Rob Martin. We took a little bit of a break last week uh, for 4th of July, but and to uh, kind of give ourselves a little bit of a break, too, because as, as per usual... You know, you and your wife throw a big Fourth of July shindig, and it's usually on the weekend. So, right, and that, after, that and is that is our huge party we throw every year. We had probably, I think, about sixty people through the course of the day. So, yeah, yeah. So it, it makes sense that we take the next day off because you need time to clean and just kind of rest. Yeah, it was that. a very hot day. It was a I think the heat index. It was a very was a, rainy day. Well, it was it was a rainy day, but the heat index was a hundred degrees, and I was in front of a grill for about oh four and a half hours. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was, uh, and I, that was before the rain. We had a little bit of a little bit of a downpour before things got started, uh, and the it, the weather held out great up until about maybe I don't know, like six o'clock, and then it was a uh, then it was kind of cruddy, but like all the cooking was done, and it was it was a great time. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. I, awesome I apparently brought the. I apparently brought the rain with me <laughs> because I didn't show up till like 5:30 and then it rained about mm, 20 minutes after I got there. <laughs> the, the rain started. But the nice part about the party and having the day off on Sunday last Sunday was we got to barbecue again on Sunday mm-hmm. at your place. There was a which, lot of uh, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. So, but you know, we took the week off but we didn't we didn't take the week off the podcast. We still brought you guys some content, and that was the audio uh, of my Legends of Tomorrow panel at FanFest uh, a couple weeks ago, and pretty appropriate considering we're doing the Legends of Tomorrow annual this week. Yeah, it was a good good kind of lead-in. And um, I really, real quick before I forget, I do want to apologize if we have any audio issues. Uh, I know two weeks ago when we did the Arrow annual, uh, when we got to the news, there was a lot of weird clipping, and it sounded like I was talking at high speed and skipping words, uh, kind of like I had a stroke. Um, <laughs> it was a, it's a brand new program we're working with, so if you hear any of those problems, and if we see that again, we'll probably just go back to the old format if if that occurs again. But um, just bear with us as we're, we're testing out a new system. So, yeah, the new system we're using has a lot of great advantages, but I, we, as we found out, you know, during the Arrow one. Uh, occasionally it has disadvantages, but I've recorded other podcasts with it too, uh, you know, like the Lost podcast and such. So without really any major issues, it just seemed like last that when we recorded the Arrow one, that was a bit of an anomaly. Yeah, I, I, I even had a little glitch during the, that we took a fast break that you probably couldn't hear because of editing, but um, where there was an issue and that probably carried into it. So hopefully it was a it was an isolated incident. So, yeah, that's what we're hoping. 
So yeah, this week we're going to be talking about season four of Legends of Tomorrow as a whole, and we'll bring you, as we do with any other annual, we'll talk about the season for a little bit, and then we'll bring you our favorite and least favorite moments, characters, and episodes of the season, as well as a rating of the season as a whole, and the big bad as a whole too. But before we get into that, we we kind of little we kind of want to selflessly um, we want to shamelessly self promote a little bit for a minute <clears throat> and talk about a new podcast that Rob and I are going to be doing um, towards the it, within a couple months towards the Halloween uh, you know fall season uh, a limited run podcast as it will be is we're only going to be doing ten episodes it's of like it eight this to ten year, episodes then, I think we're, we're we're trying to factor in oh that's yeah. right yeah. Um, but you know, if I think, yeah, I think we have eight planned and, but you know, if popular and people love it, uh, we'll probably bring it back next year. Yeah. So, yeah. so it, it's going to be fun. It's a fun little project. That's for sure. Yeah. It's going to be called still afraid of the dark kind of after modeled after the whole, uh, are you afraid of the dark TV series and the tales of the midnight society, but we're not talking <laughs> as odd as it is enough, as odd as enough as it is. We initially came up with the idea of this podcast to talk about, are you afraid of the dark? And then we ran through our eight episode layout and outline that we're going to do. And then you and I were out to dinner with your wife and our friend Bill. And I, I came to the realization and I asked you, I'm like, do we even have any episodes in that outline talking about, are you afraid of the dark? And you were like, um, actually, technically (laughs) I think in one of the layouts, I already broke down our preview episode, which I think we're going to try to release in August. Uh, just as kind of like that first taste, uh, to see if you guys enjoy what we're about to do. Uh, I think we do talk about, are you afraid of the dark in there? Because it fits in nicely with the theme of that, that episode. So I think that right now to give you guys a, a kind of early preview, uh, we're going to be talking about scary stories to tell in the dark to kick things off because that film comes out, I believe, August 9th, if memory serves correct. Um, so obviously an adaptation of the classic children's books, which are very, very much screwed up a generation, that generation being our generation. <laughs> um, but like I said, we're going to be talking about the new film um, and kind of talking a little bit about the classic book series as a whole and how they kind of connect with each other. But also, I think we're going to review a single episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark in there. But we're also going to be doing something fun, uh, which I'm looking forward to. Um, a lot of our, my friends, uh, and Ben can attest, uh, know that I love kind of being a bit of a mixologist with booze. So uh, each episode, I we will be releasing a video and we'll also be discussing a, a special cocktail that will be tied to each, uh, each episode. So I think I've got a couple already... Uh, plotted out and uh very soon we're going to be sacrificing our livers to the gods to make sure that they uh <laughs> make sure that my my recipes are going to to not taste like garbage and uh also uh do their job of of what usual spirits do for you so yeah it's gonna be fun i, I like the idea of releasing the video recipes of of the drinks and, and you know in the creation of the videos as well as i think we're talking about doing uh, in-person recordings for these episodes and bringing on a friend here and there and actually enjoying these cocktails while we're recording, which, uh, you know, is something we don't get to do that often when it comes to recording podcasts. But I think it'll be fun. I mean, you know, we're not going to be getting hammered by these drinks. It's simply just to, you know, to taste them and to enjoy them while we're talking about whatever the subject of that episode is going to be. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, it'll be a fun format. So it's kind of like 
something old, something slightly newer. <laughs> and then we don't have anything blue, but we've got plenty of booze. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Blue will be the, our, the look on our faces uh, as we drink too much. Yeah, so. pretty much. I mean, and, you know, maybe we'll do some kind of like, you know, since you're working on the mixology element of it, maybe. And I like to cook a lot. You know, maybe we'll work on we'll throw a recipe in there, too, of something fun yeah. or creepy related that you can do, like snack foods and things like that. Right. We were even saying uh, jokingly, like maybe we can review Halloween candy. So, <laughs> so well, we could do that. Yeah, we could. So like I said, we're, we're still going to play around with the format ideas a little bit. I, I like I said, um, I, I, I got a good joke. Like it was a good laugh in my brain when I was thinking something old, something new. We need to figure out something borrowed, but then something booze. <laughs> so, so, uh, yeah, so. <laughs> something old, something new, something borrowed, something booze. I like yeah. that. <laughs> so that, That's a lot of fun. But yeah, but I mean, you know, as far as subject material, uh, again, scary stories to tell in the dark. I know we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, some other. Oh, we, different can a, we can give a light lineup of where we're what we're thinking. I think we're going to do scary stories to tell in the dark. I believe Goosebumps is going to be in there. Um, I think we were saying we're going to do a witch's theme episode, which will probably be good old classics like Hocus Pocus and. Maybe things like the worst witch and all, um, but I know we're gonna do. I think Ghostbusters, uh, the Legend of Sleepy Hollow, which is one I'm really excited about. Yeah, uh, and I yeah. know I haven't watched that movie in a while either. And I'm pretty sure we're gonna end on Adam's Family because that'll be right around the time when we finish recording. Because we're gonna, I think, front load a lot of these episodes because we're gonna be able to start recording kind of during the end of our our summer summer months, which is gonna be great because we're gonna have the new Airverse seasons kicking off uh, the beginning of October. So the shows will kind of be running in tandem as they wrap up. But it, like I said, this is a, an opportunity for us to really celebrate Halloween, which is, I know, a time you and I both thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy. And that's actually usually one of my favorite episodes to do in Caffeine Crew. But um, it's really difficult to kind of have conversations about all these things from our past uh, in a certain format type. I know it's tricky for you guys when, we're, when you guys kick off the Wilhelm Files um with uh chris and, and yourself and then for caffeine crew we usually have it more themed to a specific topic but this is allows us to really really celebrate uh those old halloween specials we grew up with and kind of the messed up kind of horror childhood that was introduced to kids in the early <laughs> late 80s so it'll be kind of fun to really kind of get into that but and kind of tie it together so but the nice thing is it's it's going to be a very family oriented we're not going to be talking about hardcore horror i mean if you were looking for that obviously the place to go at Next Level Network is going to be what lurks behind podcasts here with Paul. Yeah. Um, but this is kind of the opposite side of that, where we can really talk about things. And I think even last year uh, with Caffeine Crew, we did family Halloween specials. And that's when we were, you and I already started kicking off this idea, uh, was shortly after we did that episode. And we're like, you know what? This is a really cool opportunity to really dive deeper into that you know, avenue. I think the episodes were thinking maybe about um, 60 to 90 minutes. Uh, but yeah, it's, I'm really, really excited to kick that show off. I am too. Yeah. I mean, like you said, schedule wise, we're going to have most of these recorded, if not all of these recorded before the Arrowverse jumps back into it, because, uh, you know, I mean, it's like any, any time like a television show does a Christmas special, most of the time Christmas specials are actually filmed in the summer, uh, you know, because they want to get it out of the way so that they can actually enjoy the holiday and things like that. I know James Corden literally just recorded his Christmas special this past weekend. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it's literally Christmas in July. So, you know, we're doing the Halloween stuff in August and September. So not, you know, six months ahead of time, but we're still going to get them done ahead of time before the Arrowverse jumps in so that it doesn't take away, as you said, from us recording DC primetime and being 
in the meat of all of that. And also so that we're not wearing ourselves out yeah, by doing um, too much at do, a time with a week. Doing two podcasts a week, um, let alone not counting uh, any of the other shows that you're doing, any of the other shows I'm doing. Uh, so we're not at any weeks where we're recording three or four podcasts a week, which is uh, for a uh, for a hobby that's kind of not a hobby at the same time where we don't get paid, <laughs> that's asking a lot. <laughs> and so, well, no, that's um, what makes it a hobby is the fact that we don't get paid. Otherwise, yeah. it would be a profession. That, yeah, no kidding. I mean, <laughs> you and I are, are, are podcast professionals, that's for sure. But yeah, we we also do it on the free. So yeah, um, it's uh, but this is an opportunity for us to kind of bring something fun and special to uh to the network and i, I think you guys are really going to enjoy it it's definitely gonna be a fun and goofy show um uh, but again it'll if you're if you're in the same age range as ben and i um man it's it's gonna be a great way to celebrate kind of the the you know 80s uh it's a current you know current day with the way that we think about halloween so well you know even if you're not in the same age range i mean goosebumps was something a little bit you know more young adult or yeah, that was, I was a little too old for once once it came out. And, right. you know, Ghostbusters is something that kind of, you know, spans the range. It's not just for our generation. It's for new generations now, too. So, you know, especially with the remake that they did a couple years ago and the new one that's coming out next year. So, oh, you know, yeah. the first shot came out yesterday. I know the families together and I love it. Uh-huh. And oh man, people are speculating away. Uh, I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a small detour. Like well, stay on this uh this detour that we're on. <laughs> just because I gotta ask you, are you thinking exactly what I'm thinking? Is that that's e- Egon Spengler's uh, grandkids? I wasn't thinking that, but that's an interesting theory. Well, the little girls got those exact spectacles that Egon wears. And if you if you look at the kids, because one of the kids is played by Mike from uh, I can't remember. Yeah, the Finn, name. Uh, Finn Wolfhouse. Finn Wolfhouse or, from a uh, or something. Uh, Finn something. Yeah, uh, but from he's from Stranger Things. He plays Mike. Uh, but the little girl uh, apparently um, she she's a uh, they, they, I think she's supposed to be uh, someone on the autism spectrum. But apparently, the way that she kind of interacts with people is very in line with Egon, where she's carrying around a joke book but saying really inappropriate things. Have been some 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 uh, some rumors where it's kind of you know it's that very dry. Uh, but also to know that Paul Rudd is playing the father, and if you think about Paul Rudd and then Harold Ramis, if you put them next to each other, you could definitely see a father and son look to the two of Ooh, them. That's interesting, and if that's the case, I I like it. Although, I, but I don't know because um, you know Ivan Reitman has come out and said, or not Ivan, um, who's his son, the one that's directed Jason this one. Jason Reitman. Jason Jason Reitman, I think, has come out and said that the the way they're relating. The cast of this one to the original is something that's never been done before. Yeah. So, but, you I, know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I generally don't know. It could be really cool. You know, there's a lot of other things that it's also uh, um, Dan Aykroyd race character race dance. Uh, it's it's his family's farm is where Ecto one was was being stored at. So so there's a lot of interesting rumors and thoughts. But, man, I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited. Uh, you know, there's a part of me though that still kind of wishes we would have got a sequel to uh, the the reboot because that I, I really do thoroughly too. enjoyed too. I really thoroughly enjoyed that as well. So. I, it got a lot of flack. I mean, and we'll talk about this when we do the podcast too. But it, it, you know, it oh, got. Yeah. A, and I know we're breaking away. We haven't even started talking about legends yet, and I I promise we will right after this. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it got a lot of flack because it was an all female cast and. Uh, but you know, I went into it. I really enjoyed it, and I still rewatch it. I mean, 
you know, it yeah. was fun and I really did. I do wish it would have gotten a sequel, but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Yeah. I, I hope they at least nod to it in this film. Um, that's be fun. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be definitely talking about that a hell of a lot more, um, especially when we do the Ghostbusters episode. So yes, exactly. It'd be very cool. Very, so. very cool. All right, let's get into things because I know we're about good 15 minutes into the podcast already and we haven't even started talking about Legends yet. It's all good. Uh, yeah, it's fine. I, 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 You know what? I feel like Legends is going to be a little bit of a shorter conversation anyway because it is a shorter season. There was only 16 episodes in the season as opposed to the 22, 23 that the other seasons got. Um, but it's not that much shorter. But you know, it's it's going to be an interesting conversation to say the least. So let's, let's just jump right into it. We're going to start with giving the season a ranking, giving the big batter ranking, and then we'll talk a little bit about the season before we go into our favorite and least favorite things. So on our scale of one to 10, as we usually do one through four being sidekick for one through three being sidekick four through seven being uh, hero and eight through 10 being legend. Where does this fourth season fall for you? I have a feeling I already knew the answer, but, um, actually I, I have two scores for it and I'm going to explain why. So, okay. um, I'm actually, so the two scores I'm going to give it is I'm going to give it a hero, but I'm also going to give it a legend. And the reason being is the hero rating. If you're looking for a show that is got this deep plot, that's running through the entirety of the arc. Um, I think this show failed, but if you're looking for great single one-off episodes that continue to build and be fun and over the top in the way that legend usually is, it gets a legend. It's really depending on how you're trying to look at this. And that's what was really difficult for me. I'm like, do I give this like an eight or do I give this a six? You know, and I saying giving it a seven just didn't feel right. It doesn't feel like legends deserves a hero, but if you're looking at it from one angle, it very much feels like it does. Um, and it was a really hard pull, but I I think if I really want to say where my heart's kind of settled on this, if you're looking at this as a big overarching storyline like we've seen in the past couple of years, it definitely gets a six. It does not connect as deeply as the previous seasons where there's less buildup of the villain, all these pieces. Um, it really suffers. But if you're looking for pure fun, over-the-top, silly adventures, it, it, it succeeds incredibly well. And I think that definitely deserves that eight. Um, so I, I really didn't feel comfortable splitting it down the middle and, and calling it a seven because I, I do think that it succeeds in two completely different ways. So that's interesting. I never even really looked at it that way with the overarching storyline, not really connecting, um, you know, and it, it feels like I'm a little disconnected because it has been a while since I've watched the season since I, I haven't watched the season at all since it ended. And I can kind of see that a little bit, but. I don't want to because my my ranking right now was at an eight. Like I just pushed it over that line in the legend territory because of the fun that it had uh, and the fun that we had watching the series. But looking at it from that aspect, you're right. Like I want to go. I kind of want to drop it down a point because of that disconnect of the story. But it doesn't feel right to do that because I still feel like it deserves a legend. Right. And that's that's a big problem with this season, I think, as a whole. I mean, yes, that's that's problematic for season. But I also think Legends of Tomorrow is the only show currently on the Arrowverse, with the exception of a random episode of The Flash. Uh, But the problem is, if you tune in to Legends of Tomorrow, you're guaranteed to have a good time not needing to know what your what the the current arc is. You can just go. Flash. If you tune in on the wrong week, you're like, what is going on? (laughs) What the hell is happening? Right. Uh, you know what? I'm going to stick with my eight 
And okay. purely because of the fact too, and, and you kind of hit the nail on the head a little bit with that remark, is that when I go into Legends, like when I watch Arrow and I watch Flash and I watch Supergirl, there is that overlying arc that happens throughout the entire season. And that's why I'm watching. But my main point for watching Legends, I don't really think is the arc to be honest with you. I don't think it is that overlying story. We've talked about in the past how Legends of Tomorrow could, in essence, be, and in many ways is, an episodic story. It literally, it, it could be the living embodiment of a comic book, a live-action comic book, where you could do a different story every week without having that over that overlying arc and the show be enjoyable. And I think looking at it in that aspect, the way we've talked about it before, the show lives up to its promise. Yeah, um, actually, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know what? There's no reason for me to give it two scores. It gets it. <laughs> okay. Uh, because that's true. Because, like, because, I mean, that's what was really difficult about that is, like, you know, how do you look at this from an outside perspective? But ultimately, it's our perspective that we're, we're discussing here. Um, and you're right. Yeah, you can tune in every week, and it is like picking up a random comic book. Like, if a kid picked up a, a comic version of this, they would enjoy it just as much as the way that the episode plays without having to need to know anything else. They always do a great job establishing their characters in every episode uh, with a little bit of fun heroics, a lot of humor, and the zany situations. And if I was given a comic book of these characters together and played the way that they play in the book, man, I think I'd be hooked. I think I'd be hooked right away. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to just give you a prime example. If, if I had never watched any of the episodes of the season, but I jumped in and I randomly started watching episode 11, which was Seance and Sensibility. And I didn't have any idea what the story was about, you know, uh, you know, with Desmond and all these other characters. I still would have had a great time watching them trying to, you know, meet Jane Austen and an episode that ends in a big Bollywood musical. I mean, I still would have had a blast watching that episode, not knowing the story and, yeah. and the over and the and the underlying main story arc of what's going on. So for that reason, I'm sticking with my eight. and I'm still giving it a legend. Yeah, same. So it gets an eight. Uh, so let's talk about the big bad then of the season. We'll give it our ranking and then we can dive more into the season itself. Uh, this I found more challenging because this you kind of have to do have to look at that over arc of the season. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, because you have Neuron and which kind of leads us into our big bad of next season. But Neuron is, in essence, the big bad of this season. Mm -hmm. So looking at that and looking at the overarching story, where do you feel like Neron falls as a big bad? Uh, unfortunately, I would put him on a pretty low spectrum. I would say, man, he's <laughs> at least Vandal Savage's story was all interconnected constantly. <laughs> it's so funny that you went right to the Vandal Savage connection but, comparison because I was going to. But I mean, I think that's something that they struggled with last year where, you know, um, oh my God, what was the big bad's name from last year? Oh, uh, uh, time demon. Christ. Yeah, I already forgot to. Yeah. But uh, I mean, that's but, that's proof positive right there that we don't watch this show for the overarching season. But you that we don't even season, remember. Well, I think the problem is you when you after season two, the big bad was like, wow, you can just really kick ass through this entire season uh, because the, the big bad was so good with the Legion of Doom. Uh, and then, you know, Damian Dark kind of stole the show as part of the Big Bads last year with like Kawasa and all those folks. But this season, Neuron really came in really late in the game, like very late in the game, especially for such a short season. And they didn't do a lot to really build him up. We got a bit of him when we got a little bit more focus on, on John. 
but even still it was it it didn't play the way that it needed to play to tie this whole thing together and i i think neuron unfortunately i would give him probably a three i think he was probably the worst villain we've had so far yes even over vandal savage um you know i because at least vandal savage it felt like vandal savage ultimately yeah it was it was a little odd because of the way that like they kind of did the hawk stuff to, tied to it but i think vandal savage as a villain was great uh it's the hawk interconnection that i think is what dragged that story down here you were hoping to see john elevated just a little bit more because of the tide of neuron but that never really happened um i mean he was there but i feel like the legends as a whole dealt with neuron just as much as john did for that being such a major person connected to him so i think i think that storyline did kind of fail we got some great moments out of it but i think him as a big bad was uh was very underutilized so agreed and uh malice was the villain was the big bad that's right malice from uh, from last season with john noble doing the voice um but i agree with you you know uh, pretty much everything that you said as far as the big bad goes i i I look at this season almost as if it could be you know a a way for the show to continue to have fun and build up do a lot more character character development with these characters but at the same time almost be a little bit more of a setup for next season, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, kind uh, of. Because we know that Astrid is going to be the the big bad of next season. We got that tease at the end. We've gotten confirmation of that, which you'll have in the news later on. And, you know, I feel like this was a way of bringing John in, adapting John to the tale uh, and bringing him in and letting him fit in with this group, which you didn't need a full season to do that. He was in with this group from last season. and But it was a good way to develop it and build the connections with him and all these other characters so that next season when we do a Constantine villain or a Constantine big bad, because that's what Astrid is, it works well in a Legends format, if that right. makes any sense. It feels kind of like season four and season five are going to be it's part one, part two. Yes. You know? I, yeah. I, I think that's okay. And I think that's why, even though, again, I feel like they kind of flubbed on the villain this year. Ultimately, I think it didn't matter. It, like I said, the, the enjoyment never lessened because that Neuron didn't hit, <coughs> excuse me, hit on all the marks. And I think that's okay. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I agree with that completely. Um, I think other shows like Supergirl and stuff like that, that, that really do need to focus on a major villain. Um, you know, that impacts their season a lot more. Legends kind of gets, I hate to, hate to kind of feel like we're giving them a pass, but I, I can't argue any of the episodes that we saw that wasn't continuously still fun, regardless of the near. Yeah, I mean, even even the episodes, I know we, we share a lot of the favorites and least favorites, or at least as far as episodes and moments go. Uh, we, we share some of them, which we'll get to a little bit later. But even the least, like it was actually tough to pick a least favorite. Because, one, there's less episodes to choose from. But, two, even the least favorite episodes were still enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes it very difficult. And But that's one of the strengths and highlights of this season uh, and this series as a whole. And that's something we've always prided them on. Now, I know... You know, we've been posting some news stories about some things that are going to be happening next season. And I, I hate I hate going into this now, but I, I'm just going to say it now to anybody who listens. We actually had to ban somebody. We've in the entire length of this podcast, the entire length of the site, we've only ever banned two people because we give people a right to say whatever they want. If you didn't like it, 
you can say you didn't like it, but when you go off onto a tirade about, you know, male to female, we need more males, less females. And I, I, I already knew where this guy was going with this conversation and I nipped it in the bud right where it was. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and there's been, you know, some comments about like, we need a more, I know with Astrid, somebody had posted like, we need a male villain. We don't need a female villain. Look, if the show is entertaining, I don't care. The villain could be a dog for all I care. And that and would fit in legends. Really it, would. Well. <laughs> it would fit into legends extremely well. So male, female, animal, monster, demon. I don't care as long as the show is entertaining. And that's what this show gives us. And that's why I right. love this series. Indeed. So, uh, but let's dive a little bit into the actual season itself. I mean, we've gotten some really, um, we've gotten some new characters added into the season in that Mona joined us. Gary became more of a, a part of the team. Uh, we had Hank Haywood, who was Nate's father, who very close to my heart because of who played it. And that being Tom Wilson. Uh, I even when I if for any of you that had listened to the panel from the Legends of Tomorrow that we posted last week, I started the conversation with how was it working with Tom Wilson? Because I had to have my geek out moment when it came to especially talking to Nick Zano about that, because he's the one that interacted with him the most. Uh, but, you know, we got, uh, you know, new monsters coming in, new pieces of history coming in, more pop culture references coming in. It seems like this is this show has found this knows this is its strength and just runs with it. And that's one of my favorite things about the series. Oh yeah. It absolutely embraces the weird at any angle and is not afraid to do so. And I think that's the, one of the best strengths about legends and continues to be one of the best strengths. It knows it can really pick from anything it wants to and just go full tilt, which is awesome. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it embraces the weird is the best way that you can put it. And that's, you know, it, this is a series that had Minotaurs playing guitars and a monster theme park. You know, yeah. where and, else can you do and, that? Yeah, seriously. Pee Wee Herman is a puppet. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Martin Stein voiced by Pee Wee Herman. Like that's just yeah. uh, amazing. Uh, you know, and I really don't know what else to say because the season itself is such an amalgamation amalgamation of so many different elements that short of going in, I feel like a lot of the points that we needed to make about this season, we kind of got out as we did each episode. Yeah. I mean, it's, which was so great. And I really highly recommend if you're a big fan of the show or you haven't given it its fair shake, really go back and listen to our reviews of the episodes from this season, because I think it's really worthwhile to do so because it, every time you hear us talk about the show, regardless of what the episode is, there's never not a smile on our face. Honestly, I can promise you that when we talk about the show, like even though we don't do this in the same room, like you can tell when we talk about this yeah. and our spirits lift up because it is that show. It is that much fun. And, and they get to do really awesome things. Like, what was it? I think it was like episode four or five. It was the Tagamo attacks and it's, it's dealing with the creator of Godzilla, <laughs> but like they yes. just, they got to play with that, but they get to play homage to some of the greatest things in, in pop culture, sci-fi, all these things, and just really get to embrace them in great fun ways, but then have a goofy, silly moment, like where like, 
you know, all of a sudden, you know, Ray saves Nate while he's stealed up and they port back into the time bureau. And all of a sudden he de-steals in front of his dad and is completely naked. And it's that great awkward moment with Nate and Ray, like with, I know a lot of people out there in the community really ship the characters together because of their bromance that they have. But like it, it plays up on those, those, some of those people's expectations, uh, but also embraces the humor of, of those situations just as well. Like at, at Hank Haywood's funeral, uh, you know, like everybody's giving the condolences for Nate and gives him a kiss on the cheek and it gets to Ray and he just gives him a kiss on the cheek. And there's that great freeze moment for me. Like, <laughs> wait <Yes>. a second. <laughs> but it's like it's all these really fun, goofy moments that are great. Like, it's like the romance writer angle with Mick this season was phenomenal. I loved that moment so much. With and Garima. Him, with Garima, like which ties again back to the Takamo attacks episode, but like how that kind of played out. And you saw these all these little things like that, that seem so humorous, but like you're really seeing these great evolutions of these characters and showing that they're not just these heroes and these kind of the, these screw ups. Um, and they're allowing their characters to truly evolve and show us other sides to them where I think you see the other shows kind of in this weird holding pattern until like their season ends in this, having these little moments where it's kind of like, oh, okay, well, Kara saved the day and she realized she didn't need, you know, Chris Wood by her side to do it, you know, or, you know, the flash is now more broody uh, like than he ever has been in the past. Uh, but you see him let go a little bit like, but they always wait for that kind of the more, you know, lesson to happen at the, until the end of the season where legends is they make major strides forward with each of their characters, every episode. So it's, you're watching this massive evolution from episode one to episode 16 or 18 or 22, whatever the season length may be. Um, it's not just, oh, here's the life lesson moment at the end of the season. It is you're constantly evolving and not afraid to evolve these characters at a, at a, a normal pace, a normal person's pace, which is, I think, what works so incredibly well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and <clears throat> I, I really don't even know where I can top that. <laughs> you pretty much hit the nail on the head uh, with everything that you just said. And I don't want to kind of repeat every anything that you said because it, again it it pretty much is a way and like you said it's it's oh i'm getting like tongue-tied just trying to figure out where to go from here and it's okay i i, th I think honestly i think really it boils down to well, this show does characters better than any show in the universe yeah i really think that's the truth of it yeah i mean and like you said at the top of the conversation too about how this is one of those series that you could just tell in our voices like you and i can tell from each other in our voices you know in the excitement the excitement that we have just talking about the series i i feel like it's kind of the same thing when we're watching it too like i we've we've become so in sync when it comes about these shows that you know when it comes to like supergirl if there are certain moments where We'll be like, yeah, I have a feeling Rob probably loved that too. And then, you know, there'll be episodes of Arrow where we're kind of groaning, where I'm groaning myself and I'm like, oh, I wonder if like Rob's groaning about this. But then there's like episodes of Legends where by the end of that episode, I've had so much fun that I'm not thinking about it. I'm not thinking about what you're thinking while I'm watching. But by the end of the episode, I'm like, yeah, if he didn't like that, there's it's going to be an interesting conversation. And yeah. Definitely. You know, it 
it's 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 the show is entertaining in itself that while I'm watching, I don't think about anything else other than the series. It's not until the end where I'm like, yeah, this moment, this moment, this moment. I'm sure Rob loved that. Rob loved that. Rob loved that. So whereas everything else, I'm thinking about it as I'm watching. The show is entertaining enough that it becomes a distraction that there's nothing else going on. And that's right. what this series, that's what any of these series is really supposed to be. Occasionally, we get that from the other series, you know, a particular episode here and there. The Flash 100th, we got that a little bit. Slabside Redemption and Arrow, we got that where I wasn't thinking about anything but what was going to happen next. But this series tends to do that every episode, week in, week out. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a shame that it's, it's, and, and we talked about, I hate going back to this, but we talked a little bit about it more uh, during that panel is that, even the cast themselves, they think of Legends of Tomorrow as the redheaded stepchild of the Arrowverse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of a shame that even they have that feeling. And I don't think it's necessarily because of the fans, because the fans are devoted to the show, at least the ones that watch it. But there are ones that didn't really give it a proper shake, didn't really give it a proper chance. And because of that, it did lose a little bit of viewership. But I, I kind of feel like even in some ways, even CW treats the show a little bit like a redheaded stepchild. You know, it constantly moves it around. It starts it late. It gives it shorter seasons than everybody else. Uh, but in some ways, at the same time, the shorter seasons kind of work. Yeah. Because it's a more concentrated story. Yeah, it's very focused. And it's there's a path for not just where the 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 heroes and villains are going to clash, but where, how the characters are going to grow. And I think that's, that's the best part about it. But yeah, it it is a shame. It is treated that way, but I love the fact that even, you know, the cast from legends and the creative team knows, knows they're kind of the redheaded stepchild. And you're like, fine, we're going to embrace it. And I I think because they embrace it, better things come from the show. I mean, I mean, the best thing that could, the best question that I could even surmise of it, is and I don't think I might have brought this up already in an earlier podcast, but uh, one of the first questions that we got when we went to questions of the audience was somebody walking up and saying about Ruby Rose becoming Batwoman. How do they feel about Batwoman joining the Arrowverse? And Tala Ash pretty much said, if that's not a Legends related question and shows the current how we feel about Legends right now, I don't know what is. Meaning <laughs> somebody came up to a legends panel and asked the question, not even about legends of tomorrow, you know, <laughs> and, and it got a huge reaction, like a good laugh from the audience. And, but you know, the beauty of it is that even Nick and Matt laughed about it. And Tala said that with a big smile on her face. So you're right. They're treated as the redheaded stepchild, but they've embraced it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why the show still works yeah. as well as it does. Yeah. So, any other thing, anything else really we can kind of talk about about the season itself? Or do we just want to jump into our favorite and least favorites? Yeah, because I think the conversation will continue when we start going into a lot of those points. Because least favorite moments, uh, most favorite moments, and the least favorite was really hard to do. But most favorite, man, oh man, is that a difficult call? Because I can just list <laughs> probably 10 to 20 things off the top of my head where a lot of the other shows, I'm like, well, maybe these two or three. Legends is a hard call, but uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm ready to rock. Yeah. All right. So then with that being said, let's start with let's start with characters, because I, I don't remember where we start week to week. Um, 
but I feel like character is a good play to start. So let's start with let's start with least favorite. We're going to go least favorite to favorite with everything. Um, as I mentioned, you know, we've got some new characters. We still have a lot of the old greats. There's still some characters that we definitely miss. I still miss Leonard Snart, as I know a lot of Legends of Tomorrow fans do. But as far as this season goes, season four, who do you think falls into your least favorite character of the season? Uh, least favorite, you know what? I, I'm definitely going to end up going with Mona. Um, I, I just, she was not a bad character by any stretch of the imagination, but I feel like there was sometimes a little bit too much of a focus on her for very little payoff. It felt like, um, you know, she brought some fun things to to the dynamic a little bit, but I think they could have spent the time that they spent with her with a lot of other characters to allow them to evolve a little bit more. I just felt like she was a little extra weight on the season that didn't necessarily need to be there. Not, it does not diminish. I think the actress, uh, the character and that character's role in the series, but I, I would have loved to spend a little bit more time. I think with some of the other legends, I think it felt like Constantine got kind of short shafted a little bit in the first half of the season. I would have loved to see a little bit more with, with, his character versus maybe the time that he would have spent with Mona. So, okay. Uh, For me, least favorite character, Mona's definitely on that list. And and for all the reasons that you mentioned, I feel like there's, there's, you know, too much Mona at times. Uh, But the one character I'm putting into my least favorite is a character who I actually do really enjoy, but I wished we got more out of. And that's Charlie. Um, you know, I, I understand they had to wrap up the Amaya storyline and they had to, the, to, to, to write her off, but they really enjoyed working with Maisie Richardson Sellers and that they wanted to bring her back. And this was a great, Charlie was a great way to do that. You know, being a shape-shifting, per, a shape-shifting anomaly that, you know, got stuck in the form of, of Amaya. But I feel like that happened in the first couple episodes of the season. But after that happened, we really didn't get a lot of Charlie. I feel like there could have been more character development for Charlie this season mm-hmm. to make her feel like more. I mean, because there were times, honestly, I apart, I forgot she was a part of the Legends until she popped up on screen. Yeah, no, I guess so. That. You know, for me, Charlie is definitely, and again, that's not to say similar with you with Mona. It's not to say I dislike the character at all. I actually really enjoyed the character. I'm putting her in that least favorite because I wished we got more of her. Yeah, definitely. So switching now to favorite character of the season, where do you think you fall with favorite? Gary Green is all the man we need. (laughs) (laughs) That's um, fantastic. He was such a great character this season. He was he he's was a great continuing joke last year, but they had so much fun with him, and I think they really got to play with him so much. And I love that idea and that angle of he's kind of like the whipping boy, and having him kind of kind of fight back, but like he was a catalyst of all of it. This whole season was all about Gary's nipple, if you really think about it. <laughs> it was. It started with it, pretty much ended with it. But it was it was such a great, dumb, stupid legends thing. But in the meantime of all this angle was really watching his character truly just evolve. And he evolved the most out of every character, I think, in this mix, ultimately becoming an actual real legend by the end of the season. Uh, but his arc was so much fun to watch between him trying to run interference early on before Neuron kind of took over or kind of pushed him over the edge. Um, but 
watching him constantly interact between him being kind of like dumbstruck by being around Mona and kind of falling in love with her, but at the same time being kind of like tempted by the dark side. But at the same time, he never was not fun, funny, and just engaging. And I think he stole the show. And man, he could choose scenery better than anybody in, in this in this season. And I think he really does truly brought something special to this year. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, and I, I love the fact that you're right. It, it really was based around Gary's nipple. Nip, his nipple was the MacGuffin of the season. And I love the fact that that's even revealed in an episode titled Egg MacGuffin, yeah. which just proves that this show just loves to have fun with everything that they're doing. Oh yeah, I like the um, episode. What was it, episode fourteen? Nip stuck. <laughs> you know, nip stuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, all so pieces. yeah, Gary. <clears throat> yeah, Gary was a, as was a fantastic. Um, yeah, I don't want to say addition because he he wasn't a new addition. He was just a character that really stepped up and really embraced the role that he played. And you know, Adam Sackman is fantastic at playing that role at the same time. So. Yeah, I can definitely see how Gary Green would be. <laughs> Gary Green is all the man we need. I love that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so I could see that. Uh, however, I'm and you know, what's funny too. looking at yours and looking at mine. I'm giving we're both giving our favorite characters to somebody who, at least at the time, was not a legend. Gary becomes a legend by the end. Uh, he does join the team by the end, but mine never does. And now. John Constantine is a close second because I just love the addition of John as a full, full blown legend this time. Uh, but to note, which to, to what should be no surprise to anyone, I'm giving mine to Hank Haywood. Uh, because this was a character who came in, we initially thought could possibly be the big bad, but there was such a turn in his character and he became a character with so much heart by the end, especially with his love for his son, with for Nate. And even after his character was killed, we still got such a touching moment with him and Nate at the end uh, in the season finale that, uh, you know, I, I just loved the addition of his character. And I know I might be biased because of the fact that it was Tom Wilson that played him. And I'm such a huge Back to the Future fanatic. But I think looking at it, even if it wasn't Tom Wilson playing the character, I still would have enjoyed that character. Yeah, I mean, um, like, honestly, like, when Nate finds the, that video about him originally pitching Hey World, uh, and it was all for his son, like, all of a sudden, this other layer of that character just truly became unveiled, which was amazing to watch. And there were some really beautiful moments in there. And he was a great character, and he was a great addition, because Nick Zano did such a beautiful job playing opposite of him. And they, they had some gorgeously touching moments. And that tie to the James Taylor song with that father and son kind of angle played so beautifully. The two opportunities yeah. they got to utilize it. So, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, I, I think, uh, like I said, I might be biased because of Tom Wilson, but I feel like, uh, you know, and you can believe me if, if you want to or not, and that's to the listeners. But I feel like even if it was a completely different actor playing that role, it would have, I still think the character would have worked because you brought up that video and, you know, knowing that this was something that his entire arc, everything that he had done, even in the earlier episodes, it shined a light that, you, you know, you thought he was building to be a big bad. His character was kind of a dick. But when you see that video, you really do reflect on everything that he done that he had done. And it really does click with you. Like, yeah, everything he did was because he was a loving father. He was doing it to, 
to appease his son. Yeah. And I just loved that about that character. That was such a fantastic twist and turn uh, and turn around on that character that it, that was something that always stuck with me. And one of the biggest reasons why I was so disappointed that Hank was killed off. Mm-hmm. But again, loved seeing him return for the finale. Yeah. For that moment. So, yeah. So Hank Haywood gets my top nod for favorite character this season. Very cool. So uh, favorite moments and least favorite moments of the season. Uh, let's start with least. I know you and I kind of share this a little bit, so I'm going to let you kind of tell a little bit because it goes more hand in hand with uh, another one of your least favorites. Yeah. Uh, so I would say, honestly, in Lucha de Apuestas, uh, the, there was the big angle that we saw with Mona where she was bitten by Konane and it turns her into kind of like the beast uh, that like, you know, the or Wolfie, as they kept calling her. Um, and I just never really thought that that worked. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, me was neither. The, that was the start of an angle that I felt like should have ended immediately. And it just kept going and going and going. And I'm like, eh, well, I, understand, <laughs> I understand that we're focusing on all these monster types and having her become part of that. It, it made sense to the angle of the story, but I did. I never thought it played quite well quite well and i think that was kind of a bit of a disappointment i would have rather just seen mona as mona um you know i think you know she interacted with the characters in a really fun way but the wolfie angle never really added anything to all the other existing monsters and i think there were some monsters that they could have played with a little bit more where they instead they were focusing too much on what they were doing with her character in that mix so and i agree with you completely it was one of those moments that when it did happen at the end of the episode it you know, when we saw her start kind of transform into that character, it was one of those moments where I was looking at it and I'm watching. I'm like, okay, really? This is where we're going with this character. I- I'm not really uh, like, I- okay. Like I'm not disagreeing with it, but it didn't, it, it just didn't impress me. At right. All. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't anything I really understood why they were, uh, why they were going that route. And like you said, I was more interested in Mona as a character when she was Mona. Yeah. And not when she was transforming into this, into this wolf, into this character. Right. So, yeah. uh, but yeah, I agree with you completely. I share that as far as least favorite moments, mm-hmm. uh, as far as favorite moments go, I, I know you were having a really difficult time with this. So um, have you come to a decision as to what your favorite yeah. moment of the season could be? Absolutely. I'm going to give two quick small nods. Uh, one to Gary's nipple crawling across the floor, <laughs> <laughs> which felt like something out of a out of an Evil Dead movie, uh, but or the puppet legends and all. But I got to say, absolute favorite was Nora becoming the fairy godmother. <laughs> of- <laughs> yes. Because it was so, again, it was such a Legends moment, and I love the fact that it wasn't changed or reversed by the end of the season, and she's still in that ridiculous, poofy blue dress. Um, (laughs) And it was, but Courtney Ford, you could just, the fact that she plays that sarcasm so amazingly, but then you see her looking like a Disney princess, and it, where how the two collide is just in a weird, chaotic place that just makes you smile every second that you see it because you know it was that great moment where we see you know gary summon her at the end and then he's like i need you to go find john in hell and it's just that gary you dick that moment that part (laughs) makes me laugh every like literally when that finale aired i rewound that like 10 seconds easily five or six times and it made me laugh 
every damn time that oh, she yeah. did that. Yeah, but now I mean, like, I, I loved. I that was such a great moment and such a great status quo change moment. Um, another big runner-up though too was definitely the romance uh, uh, convention with Mick coming out as as this infamous writer. I thought that was honestly that was another high favorite one for me too. I would actually say that one falls in a number uh, my number two slot, but uh, I definitely will give it to Nora. Okay, all right, all right, uh, that's that that's in there and that kind of goes a little bit hand in hand with with something we'll talk I'll talk about in a little bit but as far as my favorite moment of the season I'm I'm going with the the Hank Haywood element too and I'm not going into the video because that was that was great uh I'm going with the cockroach in the getaway uh the cockroach that made anybody who swallowed it tell the truth because there was so much fun that came out of that episode and that came or that came out of those moments of them in the Winnebago when they were trying to escape the, the time bureau and, you know, from Constantine swallowing it from and then finally to the end. Um, I really, really love the moment when Nate swallowed the cockroach and just went on the whole tirade about how he felt about his father, how he felt about Hank and. Because, you know, at this moment, this is another one of those kind of turnaround moments for that character is because we Hank is, you know, feeling like they're fugitives and that they've gone bad and he's chasing after them. But it's all because of that cockroach and Nate really spilling his guts about everything that's going on that Hank kind of looks at him differently and says, "Okay, these guys are really heroes. Uh, They're not who I thought they were. Mm -hmm. And. It was such a beautiful moment. It, there were so many just funny little moments that led up to that beautiful moment of Hank and Nate together that I I have to give that my favorite moment of the season. Very nice. So I I, I can give you a runner up that you probably have to. OK, <laughs> is when they're at the family dinner and they have to leave on a mission and it's like and it's yes. and like, let's make like a tree and leave. And then it's a sneak going. I don't think that's the I, way it goes. I don't think that's <laughs> the way it goes. Yes, that is another fantastic moment of that season. Um, and actually, uh, funny enough, this comes up during the panel uh, that was improvised. Tom will. That was Tom Wilson's idea to put that in there. Nice. Because remember, we were talking about when Tom Wilson got cast, I had said at the very beginning, if we don't get any kind of Back to the Future line thrown into the mix, you know, I would be very disappointed. So the fact that it was actually Tom Wilson that came up with the idea to put that line in there makes it even better because it means that not only not only was he having fun on the set with these guys, but it means that he's as much as he claims as a comedian, he, he, it's tiresome he still embraces that role. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he's, he knows that he's known for that role. So the finding out that he put that in there was such a great find for me. And yes, you're right. That's a fantastic runner up for me when it comes to this season. Yeah. So let's jump now then into our favorite and least favorite episodes of the season. And I'll kick it off to you because I think we share this as well. What's your least favorite episode of the season? We just talked about it a moment ago. Lucha de Apuestas, season four, episode nine, which is the uh, wrestler episode. I, I think there was some fun in that episode, definitely. But I think, again, the Konane arc went a little too long. I think there was a little bit too much focus on that this season where they could have been focusing on 
the Neron part, especially because Neron's angle really was brought up in Legends of Tamiyamiyo, which was episode eight, uh, which was the mid-season finale. And then the mid-season premiere, I think, really needed to focus on that. And I think this episode really kind of let a little bit of air out of that um, that start of that angle. And it took a little bit longer for them to really get rolling with it. We didn't really see much of that until starting near the end of the getaway. So it was disappointing that we didn't really move. All we saw was uh, Desmond uh, on the golf course at the end of, I think, Lucha de Apuestas. I think that's really what we saw. Or that was at the very end of Legends of Meow Meow. I can't quite remember. But... Um, but yeah, they, I think they really needed to focus on Neron there uh, and just kind of flubbed the midseason premiere. Yeah, and I'm going to share that one with you too, as I mentioned. It's it's one of those things that I just, yeah, I, I wasn't crazy about. I mean, don't get me wrong. It, again, even as a least favorite episode, there's still some great moments that there's still some fun moments in that episode. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things that I just love you know, as a wrestling fan, seeing some Lucha wrestling being brought into a, a being brought into a, a comic book series, but you're right. It's, it's one of those things that it just, I think flub is the great way to do it. You could have come back so much stronger mm-hmm. and it's, yeah, it, it's, uh, it just wasn't fun for me. I mean, yeah. again, some fun, but not as much fun as the rest of the season. Right. So, uh, with that being said, then let's talk about our favorite episodes of the season. I think we might share this, but I do have a runner up as okay. far as my favorite season, uh, sure. favorite episode of the season. My runner up is actually going to be Hey World, which was the season finale. I think there was so much great material that came out of this. You you mentioned one of my favorite moments of that episode already with the Gary, you dick. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember for the life of me what she says right before that. It's like a, oh crap, like kind of line, but it's mm-hmm. something completely different. And I, even that made me laugh. Um, oh, fiddlesticks. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. I, she, I think she says, oh, fiddlesticks or something like that. <laughs> and then she says, Gary, you dick. And she, she, she's being sucked to hell. Um, but, you know, from Nate, you know, from the James Taylor moment, again, that beautiful moment with Nate and Hank up in the rafters, a room full of monsters having a sing along. Like there's so much great stuff that happens in that episode that that's it's one of my top two favorite episodes of this. And, and even to that big twist with Zari at the end and how yeah. they're going to c- kind of climb out of that uh, next season, because I, I'm pretty sure Tala Ash is not going anywhere. And it's how do they get her character corrected and back into where she belongs with the legends versus her brother being there now. I mean, it's going to be such a major shakeup. So I'm really curious to see how they're going to play with that angle next year. So, um, cause yeah, Tala Ash has been such a great addition to, to this cast. And, uh, I, I really hope she doesn't go anywhere. So yeah, me too. And I don't think she is. I think she's already been confirmed to be returning next season. So, uh, it's going to be interesting. Like, as you said, to see where they're going to go with it. Yeah. But, uh, uh for me, yeah, yeah, I was just uh, going to lead you in. Uh, for me, I was going to say episode eight again, Legends of Tamiamia was just <laughs> a wonderful, wonderfully stupid episode. That was just so great. Everything about that was just absolutely just wonderful. And especially because of, you know, it, it picks up really because it's almost kind of a two part episode. Hell No Dolly, which is episode seven, um, when they're dealing with the Martin Stein puppet voiced by Paul Rubens, ties into episode eight because it is a two part um, midseason finale. 
and the second part of that, when you're after you're dealing with John kind of confronting what happened in the past to kind of change everything when him and Charlie and Zari go and take, you know, uh, the jump ship to kind of try to find a way to kind of rewrite things. And Zari's tried. I'm like, nope, can't do that. But we get an entire episode where Zari, it's Zari as a cat. So we have Zari cat, <laughs> which was great. <laughs> but then we go through the custodians of the chronology uh, angle. We've got, um, I can't remember. I think it was the sirens. Was uh, it sirens of space time? Yep. It's, uh, it's the sirens of space time. And then puppets of tomorrow, all these things together were just so much fun. And they got to play and just be goofy and silly and just have all these weird, silly angles to kind of come from, but they did it in such wonderfully stupid, fun ways. Then we even had the other team up of Mick and the fairy godmother in one of the quick versions of it. (laughs) But uh, just these altered, altered takes on history because of what, you know, John does is so much fun. And again, it's that rite of passage moment that they say, is this what's make, this is what makes you a real legend of Charlie and John trying to, to make their lives better and get back to normal. But I yeah. just just getting to see those messed up timelines was so much fun. And they really got to embrace, again, the goofiest parts of Legends of Tomorrow. So, yes. And I agree with you. I, again, I, I, I turned it to you because I share with you that, too, as well as Legends of Meow Meow was my favorite episode of the season. Very closely, like I said, very closely followed behind by the season finale. Hey, world. Uh, mm-hmm. But there were so many great moments of. Like you mentioned, you know, the, the sirens of space time, the, the Mick and fairy godmother team up is one of my absolute favorites in that, in that episode. Uh, so yeah, so it's, it, there's just so much that happens, so many great moments. And it's a perfect example, as we mentioned before, of how they kind of embrace the weird when it comes to this show. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's the episode this season that has kind of. again with the exception of a sing-along to james taylor with a bunch of monsters it's it's the one episode that really does show that more than any is that they embrace that weird yeah so um any predictions or anything uh you know for next season Uh, anything that you would like to see Uh, you know what i just keep bringing the weird keep bringing the weird and and, you know like i said we already know our our big bad next year is going to be astra uh and we're dealing with some of the worst villains of history all coming into play so i think it's going to be very similar into the way that this season built where we're going to have people i think they had they met like there's things like stalin and caligula and stuff like that on all those coins in hell that are going to get released so i'm curious to see how that's going to play but again i think this is going to bring us more in line to, if you weren't as big of a fan of this season, more in line to some of the old traditional legend stuff where um, they're kind of writing the ship in different timelines more and more and more. So uh, so I'm excited to see how everything's going to play out. But I think regardless, I'm really looking forward to seeing John intermingling with the team even more uh, and kind of him continuing to get closure from his original series. I think it's going to be a huge part. I would love to honestly see more of Nate uh, back on the Wave Rider with the team versus working in the Time Bureau and a little less Time Bureau, I think. I would love to see that more focus back on the Wave Rider. I kind of I kind of agree with you on that, too. I mean, by the end of the season, we do see all the legends kind of walking off together. So I, I kind of, now that we everybody's been brought together, I kind of want to see that stay. Uh, I want to mm-hmm. see that dynamic stick around and see all of them on the Wave Rider together. I mean, it's it's been a long time. I don't even really think we saw it at all this season where we, as we have in previous seasons, where we see everybody sitting in the seats, you know, with the straps over mm-hmm. their shoulder. I don't think we got any of that this season. 
Um, they got bits and pieces, but I, I not like any of those bigger traditional moments. Yeah, so. and I want to see that. I want to see that return going into next season. I want to see everybody sitting there together. I want to see, you know, these new characters, uh, you know, of Gary and such. Although I don't really think Ga- Gary might have already gone through it of the whole nausea nausea of traveling through time uh you know i i want to see the group together on the wave rider and like you said a little bit less of the time bureau yeah uh and uh, you know keep bringing the history creeping in which we know we're going to get next season already because as you mentioned genghis khan and caligula and all those characters uh but keep bringing the pop culture references that's that's one of my favorite things about this show so uh, yeah, but that's going to wrap it up for the annual portion of the episode for Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, we're going to jump into news. I know next week we had originally talked about we were going to jump into Doom Patrol, uh, but we're going to be playing it by ear. We're going to prepare to do Doom Patrol next year, but San Diego Comic-Con is next weekend. And while DC is not doing a panel, CW is doing a panel with Arrow and the rest of the Arrowverse. Uh, we can expect... Uh, and, DC, and, and DC Universe is doing one too. And DC so. Universe. So um, so DC Films is not doing a panel this year. But um, we already know there's going to be some talk about uh, Infinity uh, Crisis on... Uh, um, in, God damn it. Crisis on Infinite Infinite Earths. I got tongue-tied again. Uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. We know that Arrow, all the shows with the exception of Legends, have gone back to filming already. So it's a matter of what we see come out of Comic-Con next week is where we're going to go. If there's enough material, we're going to do our Comic-Con episode next week. Uh, If there's not, we'll just talk a little bit as at the end of the Doom Patrol episode. So one way or the other, we're going to do a new episode next week. It's whether or not it's going to be Comic-Con Central or Doom Patrol Central. If we do Comic-Con next week, Doom Patrol will be the week that follows. So, Yep. But with that being said, Uh, there is more news. Let's jump into it. Yep. Let's kick off starting with Arrow. Uh, So we know a couple things already. So uh, we can say officially the season eight, it's also the final season premiere. Uh, The title is officially Starling City. So like I said, uh, We'll be. I'm curious to see how that's going to play. Um, so, part of me is, and part of me isn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but again, uh, that's what how we're kicking off. Uh, but we also know uh, another cast uh, cast member, Catherine McNamara, who plays Mia Smoke, uh, has been officially upgraded to a series regular. So it sounds like we will be seeing plenty more of Mia Smoke in the final ten episodes in the future arc. So, but also returning though next year, which is kind of a surprise is Josh Segura and uh, Colin Donnell. So we'll be returning for the final season. We don't know in the way that they're going to play this. We do know Josh Segura is going to continue to play Adrian Chase, but we don't know in which way. And then it sounds like the way that Tommy is coming back is going to be a little bit different. So, but, or actually I said, I think that back and said, uh, Guggenheim actually came back and said, Donald is not coming back as Tommy, uh, as the Tommy we know. So it sounds like more than likely from an alternate Earth. So okay, curious to see Interesting. how that's going to play. So uh, jumping into Legends of Tomorrow news, uh, we like I said, as we mentioned in our conversation, we have been officially confirmed that Astra is indeed the season five big bad. So we're looking forward to seeing how that plays. Uh, but in addition to that, we got a little bit more. Um, you know, we know officially now to Constantine, not like it was a shock to any of us, is indeed returning for season five. This is just the official confirmation. Uh, everybody pretty much already assumed and guessed, but again, yeah. uh, there was no word on his contract. But it sounds like yes, he is indeed a, se- a serious regular. 
after making previous guest appearances. So, And the last piece of Legends of Tomorrow news, it sounds like we're getting uh, hints of a new Season 5 character. So um, right now, all we have been told it is a new male cast member who is supposedly being described as a cross between Captain Jack Sparrow and a Russian-accented Russell Brand. So <laughs> oh, no idea. No idea what that means for the show. So very curious to see how that's <laughs> going to play out. Uh, but like I said, we'll we'll see how that's going to play. But we'll find out more probably at Comic-Con. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, jumping into some Flash news. Uh, we got a couple pieces of interesting stuff. Uh, first and foremost, a little bit of information about some costume details. We got our very first look of Daniel Pennebaker in her brand new Killer Frost uh, costume. A lot of people that have said they've seen it up close said there is a ton of texture and it is one of the most gorgeous costumes currently in the Arrowverse. Uh, but if you haven't got a chance to check out that shot, you can check that out on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash DC primetime. In addition to that, though, too, there was a uh, an article that was going around to there. There was an interview with Grant Gustin. Uh, I can't remember exactly where the interview stemmed from, but I didn't have the news source direct. Uh, but they did confirm and Grant did confirm that the uh, the costume is going to be changing uh, in this upcoming season. And we will see the chin strap come back. So. Uh, my guess is this is probably going to be more of a cow alteration more than anything else. So, mm-hmm. uh, and again, we saw two versions of that cow last season. So, uh, so it might be uh, something as small as just a minor change, but wait and see. Uh, in addition to that, uh, we have some more news that we have a news reporter being uh, well, a new reporter character being cast for season six. Um, so, right now, let's see if I can find the specifics. So. Uh, they're seeing uh, seeking a Latina actress to play the part, which is being described as an uh, eager cub reporter with a hankering for social justice. So um, very curious to see how that's going to play out. But again, it feels like that character is going to tie in very closely with Iris. Uh, right. And last but not least for Flash News, we have a review of a returned character in season six that many of us are excited for. And that is Godspeed. Uh, there are already shots out oh, there. So excited. That looks like Godspeed 2.0 is definitely going to be making an appearance in season six. We don't know if this is a tip to the big bad or what, but again, we know this character is going to play a part in some way, shape or form. So if you loved that costume and that character, be excited that this character is coming into the mix. So uh, now jumping he's in. So stu- he's so sharp looking. I love it. I know it's such a great design. Absolutely great design. Uh, but jumping into some DC Universe news, it sounds like Stargirl's TV series could be bringing in a really wonderfully classic JLA character. That being none other than the original Green Lantern, Alan Scott, could be coming into the mix. So uh, very excited. And it sounds like um, I think it's that could be Arthur Matlock, the, char- uh, the, uh, the actor that's playing the character. So big wait and see. So um, kind of excited. So we'll find out soon. All right, and I think the very last little piece, too, this is actually something that was tied to Arrow. So uh, we did see there were some teases of some new costumes. So, again, small little swatches. I wouldn't be surprised if we'll find out more about them in San Diego Comic-Con. And that wraps it up for the news. Uh, I actually have one more story, if it's okay. By all means. That I that I kind of read this. Um, <clears throat> this one was just released about 13 hours ago, and I don't know how to take it. It might be purely rumor. It might be speculation. Uh, but I'm reading a story now that Warner Brothers reportedly is unhappy with Birds of Prey. Um, 
Uh, I know the movie won't hit theaters until next year. Screenings have been overwhelmingly positive so far with people praising McGregor's performance, uh, the gritty and violent tone of the pick and steps towards my more LGBTQ representation on screen. Uh, but while audiences have walked away mostly impressed, it seems the studio isn't terribly happy with Birds of Prey at the moment. Uh, reports are surfacing that say Warner Brothers execs aren't pleased with the current cut of the film, and now the worry seems to be that they may get involved and put their hands all over it, resulting in another Justice League situation. Goody. Um, yeah, I, you know, and I, I, I wish I again, maybe this is part of the reason why they're not doing a panel at San Diego this year. Uh, you know, because with Birds of Prey coming out, we were kind of surprised to hear that DC Films isn't doing a panel because why would they not want to promote it? But if there's any truth to this, this could be the reason why. Well, also, too, I know, like, for example, like Wonder Woman is really early still in filming. And I know Patty Jenkins is really trying to focus in on all the little pieces to make sure that everything looks perfect mm -hmm. and right. And I think they're on a really tight crunch with filming that they're trying not to take away from doing something to cut together a trailer and break break away from filming to be able to go to San Diego Comic-Con this year. Um, and you know what? Uh, there is a new studio head uh, head president now at Warner Brothers, and she is made this want to make sure that they're they're getting things right because of how great Shazam went over. And they are they're on a big upward momentum that started with Wonder Woman, continued with Aquaman and then into Shazam. And I think if they have a concern, now is the time to do something about it while they have time. It's not uncommon still for films to go through, hey, this isn't working. We need to make a shift. We need to make a change. And I think people get a little too scared whenever they hear that in DC at the same time. So I think it's a big wait and see. Let it play out. Um, you know, And it could be, hey, there's too much of a tie to the old DC universe we're trying to get away from. We don't want to continue to tie to something that we're trying to break away from. We need to shift it just a little bit to kind of make sure it's kind of fitting in line with where things are going now. Because, again, you got to remember, Birds of Prey started uh, in kind of, uh, you know, that original gestation period shortly after Suicide Squad before the major shift started to happen. So I think that could be where some of that concerns coming into play. And I think if I was DC and I, I'm seeing this upward trajectory, I'd be afraid if I think this might fall in the wrong direction. And set us backwards. So you know what? I, I'm willing for the studio to be involved uh, to try to make it the best thing that they can. Because, again, Warner Brothers has had a couple major successes recently. But shortly before it, like, you know, the last Fantastic Beast, which I still haven't seen even being a huge Wizarding World fan. Um, but I think they know they need to make sure everything plays just right. And I think they're going to make sure everything that they release, especially in the DC realm, is going to play that direction. So that's a big part to it, I think. I think that's not something to be terrified about until we truly know where things are going to land. Yeah, and I and I definitely agree with you on a lot of that. It's just you're right. There's When it comes to, you know, films from the DC universe and hearing, you know, Warner Brothers is going to get involved, you're right. That becomes a fear that things are going to go back to the way they were when it comes to, you know, uh, Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, and Justice League. Where, you know, you, when you look at Marvel Universe as phases, I kind of feel like that was phase one. We're now in phase two with Wonder Woman, Shazam, you know, and, and going into Birds of Prey. They found the right steps. Now it's just a matter of, your, like you said, to what 
detail is Warner Brothers going to get involved. Right. And and so. I think, too, you know, they're trying new things, too, with the Joker film coming up soon, too, with Todd Phillips. And Todd Phillips even said a couple weeks ago, hey, man, if you guys are, like, hardcore comic purists, this is, like, a graphic novel that it's telling its own original story. It's not tied to anything. And he was like, hey, guys, like, you know, like, look, this is comics do this all the time where there's a one-off own version of these characters and that's what this is meant to be purely so i i think they know that they're they have an opportunity now to be a little bit more different and a little bit more original and find their own way they don't have to follow the marvel formula which is fine i think that's great and i think you don't have to tie everything together. You can have your own standalone things that are truly something special and, and let it be. It just, and I think that's a great avenue for them to go because again, I think them trying to chase after what somebody else did, it was a detriment to them, but um, where they landed and had some really great successes, let that continue and let them be those successes. Like, Cause again, I, all reports are saying the people that have seen cuts of Joker that said, there's no way that this is not getting nominated for Academy Award in some way, shape or form. So I mean, that's that's high praise from a lot of people that have seen it. And this is not coming from one or two sources. This is coming from a large variety of people saying this is truly a, 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 an intense, exceptional thing. Um, but they said, if you're there as a comic purist, you may be disappointed. Um, so I, I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to bring to that. And I think if they're going to take those lessons and carry it into Birds of Prey, by all means, please do it. Um, yeah, so. Uh, and can I tell you, yeah. I um I, I actually wa- rewatched that trailer, um, to Joker, and I really can't wait. Yeah, it, to see it looks movie. like something incredibly special, and I'm excited to see what they do with it. Uh, before I forget, there is another news story that I don't have pulled up, but I remember the details, and this is really important to all of our listeners, especially if you're in the U.S. or if you're a DC Universe subscriber. Um, so HBO Max has been officially unveiled this past week. I think it was on Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, there was some great information in there that really could impact things for everybody very soon. Uh, just to let everybody know, we did report on this a couple months ago that there is a really high chance that the CW material that is currently on Netflix, at least in the U.S., uh, is going to go bye-bye. That is 100% confirmed. We don't know when that's going to happen. But they did officially state that HBO Max is going to be, which is Warner Brothers streaming service, which is including things like TBS, TNT, uh, HBO, um, I think the CW as well. Uh, but now Crunchyroll has signed. Uh, also Rooster Teeth Productions, which is the guys that make Red versus Blue, Ruby, all those stuff are all tied to this. Uh, in addition to the Warner Brothers library, which is uh, uh, in addition to things like Looney Tunes, so on and so forth. But they did say officially that DC Entertainment stuff is also going to be a part of this. So I would not be surprised to see the continuation of the DC Universe stuff also going to HBO Max. But they said that this time there is no reporting whatsoever of DC Universe going bye-bye. It sounds like all that content is going to be available, I think, across those two platforms. So if you're there purely for DC Entertainment with the comics, you'll still have access to them. But also with them having the rights, and they're probably collecting all these rights back to a lot of things, it means you're probably not going to see as much of a shift of you know things like superman being part of the service like from like you know the christopher reeves ones for only a couple months and then going bye-bye and then coming back again it sounds like they're in the process of securing the rights of these things permanently one of the big shakeups in this was uh finding out that friends is leaving netflix and going back to going to hbo max because again this was a warner television show so you're going to see a lot of those shifts starting to happen but they did say as well that the CW shows, like things like Flash, Arrow, Legends, all of those shows 
are going to end up becoming exclusive to HBO Max as the only place to stream them. And it sounds like when the service does launch, and I think it's spring of 2020, um, that all those shows will then carry over. So I would not be surprised in the next several months to see those shows slowly go away, probably maybe at the end of the year um, from Netflix, at least in the U.S. market. So if you're trying to play catch up on shows, uh, make sure to binge watch them while you can. If not, you're going to have to go to avenues like iTunes um, or things like Amazon Prime to be able to go through and kind of buy those seasons digitally or via Blu-ray or, or DVD. They did say any new seasons, though, as they wrap up, those seasons will show up on HBO Max 30 days before the start of a new season. So not like Netflix, where it was two weeks after it wrapped. They're going to be there. It's going to be more in line to a lot of the ways that traditional shows pop up on Netflix. Uh, because that was specifically a deal that they made with CW at the time, which it was two weeks post. But it's now going to be more traditional in line 30 days before this premiere of a new season is where those will appear. And it sounds like that'll begin with things like Batwoman and such. So It's a little confusing to me, too, to have all these things you know, exclusive to two streaming services instead of one. Because if you're going to have your entire library of one streaming service also on another one, in addition to everything else, like other Warner Brothers films, Friends, TV series, Looney Tunes, things like that, then it seems to me that the only thing, the only reason to really subscribe to DC Universe is for the comic books. Right. But I think it's also that's something that they're doing to kind of help combat Marvel Unlimited and being able to have this other like other kind of content available there. But knowing that it's going to at least be available in two locations is a positive because here's the thing. The tier pricing, from what it sounds like, there's a high chance that HBO Max could be upwards of 15 to 20 dollars a month. Uh, there's a lot of rumors that that it's going to be a higher cost service because it's going to contain so much uh, versus places where Disney just has Disney stuff. Uh, but again, they do have ties to things like Fox and the Fox library. And it's the question of where those things fall and fit into that Disney plus service. But it, it's, you know, you're also now talking about Crunchyroll, which is its own five to $7 service a month. Uh, now getting folded into something like HBO and H, uh, HBO go, which is its own other service. So it sounds like they're really going to be testing the waters, launching HBO, you know, HBO max, figuring out how does that reflect on things like HBO go HBO now, DC Universe, and I would not be surprised to see this service launch with a lot, allowing those other ones to continue before ultimately only being one service available whatsoever. And that's where you go to watch anime for Crunchyroll. That's where you go to watch HBO Go. Um, that's where you go to watch the DC Universe stuff. And I think it's them kicking the series off until they probably start acquiring the rest of, I think, their catalog permanently away from other streaming services like Amazon Prime, Hulu, and such, and making sure that those contracts expire. And once they all do and they own that stuff, I think that's when you'll start seeing those other ones start to close and fold and become one cohesive place because I know it's going to add a lot of brand confusion. So especially having it called HBO Max, you now have three services with the HBO banner. And I think that's going to confuse a lot of consumers. So I think well, they're going to, they're going to fix it, but I think it's going to take time. Well, I wonder if it would almost be similar to the same way Xbox just released their, what is it? The Xbox, um, game, oh, game pass, pass Ultimate. premium or game, or pass, game pass ultimate. ultimate. Yeah. Which, uh, uh which now includes you, where HBO you could subs- for oh yeah, or Xbox live, but then it's game pass Xbox and game pass PC all in one place. Yeah. You know where it's basically, a uh, where HBO max could basically just be a one price thing to, that gets you all of these services 
you know, same way that, you know, Xbox just did where you can still subscribe to Game Pass by itself, Xbox Live game, you know, by itself. Um, but you save money and you subscribe to this one service that gets you all of these services. Right. And I think that's really what's going to happen is it, it's okay. HBO Max is going to be a premium streaming product, I think, versus if you look, if you're only interested for DC, you can do C- DC a lot cheaper if that's all you want. If you want just HBO Go because of Westworld and the upcoming like Game of Thrones prequel series and all those other things, Watchmen, uh, you have another spot there. So I think I think they're playing their cards pretty safe by doing that. But I would not be surprised if ultimately this is the only way to get these services. Uh, one of the things that's kind of exciting that was in that, though, too, is Greg, Greg Berlanti, who we know is responsible for the entirety of the Arrowverse, has signed something special with them stating that he's going to be doing four movies for the service and they are going to be young adults uh you know films uh and a lot of signs are pointing to i would not be surprised if some of those are dc related films exclusive to hbo max because again uh all of the Arrowverse shows are considered young adult shows by him including things like he's done like riverdale and such like that um so there's a lot of rumors that that rumored booster gold movie written by zach stentz could indeed be being done for hbo max so this could be another avenue to get new DC films exclusive to a service like this. So yeah, um, so it adds a lot of excitement because it could really mean a lot and bring a lot to to all of this. But um, I, I think spring twenty twenty, we're going to have a really really intense environment for way too many streaming streaming services, and I think you're going to start seeing a lot of people going back to touring really heavily because there's too much exclusive content being spread across too many services. And ultimately, if you subscribe to all of them, you're paying more than what you used to for cable. So, And I was just going to say the same thing. Like It got to the point where a lot of people cut the cord because it was cheaper to just sign up for like Hulu, Netflix, and maybe CBS because it you know you were paying like 30 to 40 dollars as opposed to like a hundred and some odd dollars for cable but now it's getting to the point where everybody's pulling their content off of these services uh, and starting their own streaming services that to subscribe to all of these streaming services to get everything that you wanted you're going to end up paying just as much as you were for cable if not more which is getting to be a little ridiculous i think what somebody really needs to do is be smart and create a front end (laughs) you know and it's you think about programs like, you know, Plex, but like I think about it in like, because I do a lot of, you know, classic gaming stuff and I have front ends that load all my backups of all these old games. Um, and you can say, okay, you know what? I'm going to pull from Nintendo and Genesis and all this stuff. Somebody really needs to get out there and get ahead of this and say, hey, you know, this is a service that will tie in your Disney Disney Plus account, your HBO, you know, Max account, your Hulu account, your Amazon Prime and your Netflix. And you can just search something and say, cool, I want to watch you know, uh, season two of The Flash. Uh, and where is it? Instead of having to go to a website, trying your luck across eight services to figure out where the hell it's located currently. Um, but I think that's something that's going to happen eventually because it's going to have to. Yeah. Absolutely, it's going to have to. Yeah. You're already and- seeing that on, on things like um, Good Old Games uh, has is now going to tie in things like EA, uh, EA Access, uh, Steam, and Good Old Games where you can look at all of those things and it'll launch the appropriate player. But... Yeah, it's becoming too much. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. Uh, cool. So with all of that being said, let's knock out some cheap plugs uh, and some recommendations that we can get out of here for the weekend or for the week. Uh, cheap plugs, anything from you that you want to recommend? I'm sorry, not cheap plugs, recommendations. Anything from you that you want to recommend this week? Just because it's on my mind, uh, if you have an opportunity, because we're getting closer and closer to the launch of the show, pick up a copy of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Read it. 
remember your, uh, remember these stories because again, August 9th, less than a month away, that movie hits, and uh, it's going to be great to have that fresh in your head, especially as we get ready to launch Still Afraid of the Dark. I'm actually going to be doing that myself. I'm going to be picking up. You can get all three of the paperback books, uh, all three of the scary stories of telling the dark stories for like 15 bucks on Amazon. So it's a cheap pickup. They're very easy reads. Uh, they're very quick reads. So you could probably knock out all three of them in a day, to be honest with you, if you, if you dedicate mm-hmm. the time to it. So I'm going to be doing that as well. Uh, as far as recommendations for me, I actually have two. Uh, I'm in the middle of watching Stranger Things season three. If you haven't already, uh, I don't even know how it ends, but I'm already into it enough to recommend it to you. <clears throat> and the other one it was amazing. I can say that <laughs> everybody <laughs> so. I've talked to says it's the best season of all three. Um, and I know there are some reviews out there that say it's the worst, but I, I can't see that at all. I'm only halfway through it. Uh, I will be finishing it as soon as we're done recording. Uh, But the other recommendation I have, too, is something I haven't even read yet, but it's something that I saw and I ended up picking up because I want to read it purely because of what it is. I know that Marvel did a version of zombified characters, and I just recently discovered that DC has one now, too. Uh, Uh, Yeah, uh, Marvel Zombies was... Yeah, Marvel Zombies was quite a while back. Um, that's probably going back about seven or eight years. But yeah, yeah deceased deceased is is currently running, and it's really just awesome. Is it? Have, um, have you been it, reading it? A, I have. Okay, yeah, uh, it's it's really 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 different, and really fun, and it really doesn't feel like it piggybacks of what Marvel Zombies was. Uh, but I think Mar- Marvel's coming back with a new Marvel Zombies now too, because with uh, knowing seeing how well deceased is doing. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a great twisted story, and it's a ton of fun. Cool. Yeah, I have the first three issues. I plan to read them uh, relatively soon. To uh, just yeah, I to, think uh, yeah, only three are available right now. So yeah, exactly. Do you know how long the run is going to be? I want to say like eight. Uh, I think it's six to eight issues. I believe. Okay. <clears throat> yep. So I'm I'm recommending that one as well. Uh, all right, cheap plugs, and we can get out. As always, you can find this podcast as well as all other podcasts on the Next Level Podcast Network at next the at the next level network.com, Facebook.com slash the next level network. And Facebook page for this podcast, as always, is Facebook.com slash DC Primetime. And as for me, you can always find me at the next level network.com through the caffeine crew cast of pods. Uh, our last episode that we released was a couple weeks back, uh, which was a great episode. Oh, and um, it was a uh, body positivity in geekdom. And our next episode coming up is one I'm incredibly excited about to talk about. Me and it's too. Going to be theme parks and interactive geek experiences. Um, I believe we're trying to hash out a day, but it'll be probably recording in the next two weeks. So, uh, it may be as late as the 29th, so I'll promise to get that up and available as quickly as I can. And right now, it is purely all about trying to schedule. So, Yep, I'm looking forward to that one as well, because that's going to be a fun mm-hmm. one. Uh, but other than that, uh, any final notes on your end before we, we cut out? What food? <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm getting there too. Uh, so, cool. With that being said, uh, again, next week will be San Diego or our first uh, part of Doom Patrol. Uh, we'll play it by ear. But until that time, thank you as always for being a part of the DC Primetime family. Thank you for liking, subscribing, listening, everything that you do. Uh, but until next time, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace. Peace.